This is the message from Connection Community Church for the week of February 14, 2010. God is love. Yeah, the greatest love letter ever written, uh, God's love letter to you and me. The Bible tells you how much God loves you, tells us that God is love. Well, that's what we're talking about today as we conclude our message called God is, today, God is love. That's great. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the awesome love and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for your love. Thank you. And now, God, open us up so that we might receive you, maybe in a new way or even for the first time. Speak into our hearts your message of love. We pray this in Jesus' name, his name, who is love. And all of Connection Church said, amen. So, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, how appropriate that we're talking about love on the love holiday. Of course, Valentine's Day focuses on, you know, that romantic love, that I love you, baby, kind of love, you know. You know what I'm saying here. Okay, so I've had to wait this whole day to give Alan his Valentine. He hasn't opened it. So, happy Valentine's Day. The other two services didn't get this. an American greeting. <laughs> For me, there is only one smile, one voice. Is this okay to read in front of everybody? I think okay. so. One voice, uh, one smile, <laughs> one voice, one touch, one joy, one love. For me, there is only you. Happy Valentine's Day. Many more. Your girlfriend, 2010. Only you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, that's a great card. Thank you. Did you see the truck of roses out front? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to go sing. It must be late. Oh, darn. Anyway. Well, that's that, you know, <laughs> baby, I love you kind of love. But at, uh, Greeks had a word, eros, for that kind of love, that romantic, erotic kind of love. But I think the kind of love we're talking about today, even though it is Valentine's Day. Actually, the kind of love that we're talking about today is unconditional love. It's a love that really only comes from God. It's called agape love. That's the Greek word for this kind of love, agape. It's found in the New Testament when we read about Jesus. It's the kind of love that Jesus teaches us about. Agape love, unconditional love, and that's God's love. You know, it's a kind of love that, um, well, I think for most of us, it's a little bit challenging to fully understand because for, for many, maybe even most of us, unconditional love, it's hard to understand because for most of us, our love has been somewhat conditional, at least at one point or another in our lives. You know, like somebody, they might not say it, but it's there, I'm going to love you if. You know, sometimes as a parent, I'll show you love if you bring home good grades or if you 
do what I ask you to do, or if you behave like a you know, husband and wife, I'll, I'll show you love if you act like I want you to act, or if you <clears throat> share with me what I want you to share with, you know, those kind of things. It's, there's usually some kind of strings attached to our love, and so it's hard for us to understand this unconditional love. It is hard. We have so much trouble understanding how God can love us, no strings attached, especially since many of us don't feel worthy of that love. I mean, God knows what I think. God knows and hears the words I say or think about saying. God knows what's in my heart. How could God love me as messed up as I am? We talked last week about God. Here's a test. God is holy. Great. God is holy. Well, how can a holy God love somebody as unholy as, as I am? We're reminded of what Job said when he realized how unworthy he was. He said, my ears had heard of you, God, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Wow. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he shares this about how unworthy he felt. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Well, Paul did do that when he was Saul before the Lord struck him. He was killing Christians. And then, you know, the Lord, you know, struck him. He was blind for three days, and he became a new man, Paul. But even this new man who was in Christ felt unworthy, felt unworthy. Um, not only that, but who am I that God should even want to pay any attention to me at all? I mean, let's face it, there are like over six billion people. That's six with, what is it, nine zeros after it. That many people on the planet. Why should he care about little old me? I mean, he's got a lot of other things to be concerned about. Last week we talked about how God called Moses out of the burning bush when he was out tending the sheep up on God's mountain and, and called him to go to Egypt and free the Hebrew people from the bonds of slavery there in Egypt. And the, the very first thing, the very first thing Moses says to God when God shares his plans for Moses to be his go-to guy, this is the first thing Moses said. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Now, on one hand, Moses probably didn't want to do what God was calling him to do. <laughs> Hello. But on the other hand, it seems that Moses really wonders, who in the world is he that he should go before the most powerful ruler in the region and who was Moses to be the mouthpiece, the spokesperson for God? That's what God was asking him to do, to speak on God's behalf. Now, sometimes we confess we feel that way, too, as pastors of this church. Who are we to speak up here in front of all of you? Who are we? Same question that David asked uh, years later in the midst of building God's temple. He said, but who am I 
who are my people, that we could give anything to you, Lord. Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. That's a very important line. We give you only what you first gave us. Okay, so here's some kind of hard truth. Romans 3.23. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, if God's love for us is dependent on how good we are, if God's love is dependent on how unsinning we are, or how Christ-like we are, guess what? We're all in trouble. Every one of us is in trouble. And here's another hardcore truth. God's love is not dependent on how good we are. God's, God loves us because of how good God is. And actually, it's God's love that allows God to cover our sin as he does with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. It's God's love for us that allows us to receive God's grace while we are yet sinners. And the thing is, even if God wanted to not love us, even if he said, whoa, I, I don't want to love you anymore, that doesn't happen. It, it cannot happen. And that's because God doesn't just love us. God is love. That's God's nature. Love isn't something that God does. Love is who God is. God is love. And it's God's love that makes you and me significant. Even though there are six billion people on this planet, every single one of us is significant. There is no one who is not significant. God created each one of us. And what God creates, who God creates, is significant. It's who God is that makes us significant. Because God is love. In the 15th chapter of Luke, Jesus shares three stories. I, I love this chapter of Luke. These are great stories. And in the one story, um, well, the stories are to point out how significant we are to God. And in, in the first story, you're probably familiar with this, or many of you may be. Um, it's the story of a shepherd, and he has a hundred sheep. And one of those sheep gets lost. Now, see, in, in our world, a one, one out of 100 lost, like if you were a storekeeper, I talk to store owners and managers, but if they have a loss of 1%, you know, people stealing or getting whatever, that's like small potatoes. That, that, that's a good day when you only have... 1%. I mean, in our world, 1% sometimes is negligible, isn't it? If we've got the 99, we often aren't going to worry about the 1. But this shows us how much different God is because, see, in the story Jesus tells, the shepherd, and for shepherds this was true too, they would leave the 99 and go after the 1 because for shepherds, every sheep was crucial. They had to account for every single sheep. If they didn't have it, they had to show the, um, uh, whatever you call it, skin, uh, you know, uh, the skin, <laughs> the pelt, yeah. You know, they had to account for it. And, and see, the purpose of the story is 
That's how it is with God and us. We're, if we're the one sheep, God's going to leave the 99 and come after the one. That just shows how significant each and every one of us is to God. There's another story in Luke 15. It's about the women with the 10 coins. She loses one coin, and she just tears up the house. She looks everywhere trying to find that coin. When she finally finds it, she calls her friends up, and she wants to have a celebration because that one coin that was lost is so significant. And that story teaches you and me that we are significant. You and I, we're significant because God is love. We are significant to God. In the third story, a young man asks his father for his inheritance long before the old man dies. And the father gives him the inheritance, and, and he leaves home. And, and I love how the Scripture puts it. It says he goes to the far country, the far country. And, and he spends all his money on wild living, and, 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 and he ends up bumming around for a while, and he, and he comes to the realization that he was better off at home, and so he decides to return. And and, and, and he's thinking of how he's going to have to apologize to his dad and make amends. And as he's coming and getting close to the lane, well, it's obvious that the father has been waiting and watching for him because the father is literally running down the lane, arms wide open. And when he comes to him, he hugs him and kisses him and welcomes him back, not only home, but welcomes him back into the family. The young man is us, and the father, of course, is God. And it just shows us once again how significant each and every one of us is to this loving father who's waiting for open arms no matter how far away we've been. Wow. Mm. In each of these stories, there is one that is lost, one who is lost, and that one is significant. No matter how many people there are, all six billion, we're all significant. Everyone is significant, and that includes you. Maybe you've been feeling kind of lost. Maybe you felt lost like the sheep. Maybe you've been feeling kind of lost like the coin. Or lost like the boy. Hmm. Maybe, just maybe today, one in six billion that's lost, maybe that's where you're at today. And, and maybe you haven't been as good as you could have been. <laughs> wow, welcome to the club. <laughs> uh, maybe you've been spending some of your time in the far country. Far from friends. Far from family far from God. Maybe you've squandered all that he's given to you. And, and, and maybe you're thinking you'd like to come home, but you, you're not sure how. And maybe you're thinking that, that you've gotten so far from God that you wonder, he doesn't probably even want to take me back, Might you might be thinking. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth. Nothing could be farther from the truth because Here's a real simple fact that says, no matter how far away you've gone, God wants you. It's because of this. God loves you. Let me put it a different way. God loves you. 
Let me emphasize the third word instead. God loves you. No matter how you emphasize it, it comes down to God wants a relationship with you so much that we can't even understand it. And the thing is, God can't help loving you because it isn't just something that God does. It's who God is. God is love. We find that truth in John 3.16. May be the most well-known scripture. You know, if you don't know any other scriptures, if, if you just can commit this one to your memory but actually put it in your heart, you're good to go. Here's the, here's the scripture. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now we want you to really believe this, really know it, really take this in. So we've tweaked it a little bit just to kind of prove the point. So let's say it again. For God so loved me that he gave his one and only Son that if I believe in him, I shall not perish but have eternal life. That is truth, my friends. That is absolute truth that God loved you so much that he gave his only son so that you might live to the fullest and have a life with Jesus in eternity. Hmm. It's hard sometimes to not only understand but believe God can care about me or you, I'm sure, amidst six billion people. But for us, having children of our own, especially having more than one child, has, has helped us understand how God might love six billion uh, children of his. Our oldest daughter, Erin Elizabeth, was born back in 1981. A day to remember. We already remembered that day, April the 15th. Tax day. But it's, we especially remember it now because it's our Erin's birthday. You know, and when she came on the scene, oh my gosh, we had so much love. She was our first child. We wanted, you know, children. We'd been waiting nine months for her. Oh, my gosh. It was like, boom. We, we loved her more than we could even imagine. Wow. Unbelievable. We sure did. And then when Aaron was eight months old, <laughs> we discovered that we were going to have another child. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, we wanted a lot of kids, <laughs> but, ooh, boy, it's still a baby. Um, and one of the greatest challenges would be, okay, how do we love more than one? Because we gave her everything we had in our heart. Yeah. Well, we found out, because on September the 18th, 1982... <laughs> Megan Rebecca was born. Hallelujah. You know what's incredible in God, how God does things? How could two children from same two parents, how could they be any more different than Aaron and Megan? It was just <laughs> un, not bad or good, just different in, in virtually every aspect of who they were. It was mind-boggling. Megan's sitting over here laughing. I know she is. <laughs> and, and it continues to this day, you know. And, 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 but what we found is 
you know, we, we got to see how God uh, uh, creates differences, and, but what we especially got to see was how God doesn't divide our love up when we have more than one, but he multiplies it. So not only did Aaron get 100%, but Megan gets 100% as well. It, it doubled our love. It didn't cut it in half. So here's what happened. The moment I saw Megan, it was like miraculous because my heart just burst. I was so thankful. I was so thankful for another little girl. And it wasn't, as Alan said, love wasn't divided, but it was just multiplied. And it was incredible to experience two little girls. So 17 then, months apart, by the way. So three years later, we took a little more of a break here. Three years later, <laughs> November the, uh, the 16th, 1985, and Dev and Alicia comes into the world. She kind of looks like her mom and her sister Aaron, but let me tell you, she ain't like either of her sisters. And she makes sure of that. You know, when you're the third kid, you're going to make sure that you're going to do things your own way. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And that continues to today. Praise the Lord. So now we've got these three girls, three distinct personalities, three absolutely wonderful young ladies, and we can't love them any more than we do. And once again, God has not divided our love, but multiplied it again so that Devin gets as much love as either of the other two got when they joined us. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, and then we experienced the, the pain of two miscarriages. And seven years later, Turner came along. Now, when Turner came along, I said, I don't do boys. <laughs> well, I learned pretty quick how to do boys. Turner is as different as different can be from his three other sisters. You know, when he was about three, he was called the junior mayor of Seaford. That's where we lived. Because he knew everybody and all of everybody we knew all put together. And he just worked the crowd. Gosh, I wonder where he got that from. <laughs> you know, all this to say, four kids, very different. Love wasn't divided. But love was just multiplied beyond what we could ever imagine. And, you know, we wanted a really big family, but that was the end of our, uh, the, uh, our baby doctor said, you're done with the four. But you know what? God has allowed us, not biologically, but through marriage, to continue to have children that we get to uh, multiply our love for. So Ted joined our family, and, and Kyle joined our family. And, and see, like, when Ted... And, and he and Megan, we didn't split Megan's love between Megan and, and, and Ted. We don't split Sorry, Aaron's Meg. love. It <laughs> multiplies. It multiplies. And shortly, TC is going to join. We're not going to have to split Devin's love. We're gonna, it's gonna, I know she God's might gonna, have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But God's already allowed us to love TC uh, pre, pre married. I know when they get married, it's even going to more so. And, and, now, and now we've got this son from, from South Korea. His name's Wan Chan Lee Jones. You know? <laughs> We tack out on just to make sure he knows, you know, it's part of the family. And, you know, God, again, has allowed us, our love, to be multiplied, not divided. And so it's multiplied over eight children at this point. Wow. It's incredible. And can we tell you about our grandkids? 
Okay, so Isabella and Jacob, and then we've got another one coming next month, another baby girl. God is incredible because parts of our heart that we didn't even know were closed were just opened up, blown wide open when the grandbabies came. Once again, the love is just multiplied and exponentially squared. And you know, each of these children, again, is unique one of a kind, unlike sister or brother or anybody else in the world. One of a kind. And, you know, we celebrate what God has created to make each one um, his or her own self. And, and the thing is, we love each of them 100%. You think, well, 100, isn't it? You, I don't know mathematically how that works because it's not a mathematical thing. It's a relational, spiritual, emotional thing that 100%, I guess it's an 800% love that we've got here, eight times 100%, whatever, however that adds up. And, and the thing is, through all this, we're able to see how God's love is capable for, through six billion people. He just did what he did with us, eight, and multiplied that, and whatever goes to, to six billion. And, and God knows each of us in a very deep and personal way as we are able to know our children, loves us however different and we are from one another. And, 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 and the reason we are able to love our children, love one another as we are, is, is, is because of the model God has given us. 1 John 4, 19 tells us this. We love because he, God, first loved us. So we can love our children like we do and it multiplies. We can love each other like we do and it multiplies because of the model God first loved us. We can love, we, when we say we, we mean all of us, we can love because God first loved us. God is love. Well, maybe you're having trouble believing that today. Maybe you're just not feeling it. Listen up. Listen real close because if you really spend some time with God, you know, kind of quiet, God's whispering in your ear how much God loves you. God desperately wants you to know that. Are you feeling insignificant today? Are you feeling unworthy? Are you feeling unimportant to God? God doesn't want you to feel that way. God is love. And so we encourage you today to take some time to ask God, like, how? I just want to open my heart to you, Lord, to know you in a more intimate way. God knows each one of us intimately. I mean, he's the, great, he's the creator. But open up and say, I, I want to know you more. I want to feel your love. I want to feel your grace more. And I'll tell you what, even if you don't, you still got to believe <laughs> because he does love you. He loves you beyond measure. God is love. Mm. You know, we talked earlier about the one. And those stories that Jesus shared, the, uh, the one that was lost, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the, the one who was far from God, the boy who was far, far from God and, uh, and was welcomed back home with open arms. And, um, you know, maybe today you're the one. Maybe you're the one. 
Maybe you're lost. Maybe you're far from God, or maybe you have been. Um, maybe maybe uh, you're in a situation like we sang earlier in that song, draw me close to you, God. Never, never let me go. Maybe that's your song today. Draw me close to you, Lord. I'm feeling distant. I, I really need to be drawn to you. You know, the thing is, as, as, as unworthy as you feel, as, as sinful and separated from God as you are, God's just waiting for you to sing, draw me close to you. And just like the boy who came home from the far country, God's waiting with open arms to just hug you and kiss you and bring you home where you belong. You do belong to God. God loves you. God cares for you. God's love is beyond comprehension because it's a love that is no strings attached. I mean, we, we don't get that kind of love. We don't understand it. But it's not a love that is of this world. It's a love that Jesus has for each one of you. Do you know him? Do you know who Jesus is? Have you accepted Christ into your heart? That's something actually that we need to do every single day. Come into my heart. But, but if you've never done that, if you've never said that, don't leave here and waste any more time. Life is empty. Life doesn't make sense without Jesus. We'll just keep spinning our wheels. That's, that's what happens when we don't have Jesus as our, as our guide. We just kind of get lost in this spiral. Ask Jesus to come into your life, to invade your heart, to change you from the inside out. I'm going to say a prayer right now, and this is for all of us, whether we've accepted Christ or whether we haven't, but if you want to, it's called the sinner's prayer. Just listen, take it in. God, God, you are the God of the universe, and you created me, you created all of us. Forgive me, forgive us, for we have fallen short, we have sinned, we mess up all the time. Lord, you... You loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to prove or to show us that love. Lord, I want Jesus to be the leader of my life. There might be somebody here today who's never said that, that they want Jesus to be the leader of their life. Lord, invade their heart. Let them know how much you love them. Thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. All of Connection Church said, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life for the very first time, don't keep it to yourself because today's your birthday. 
It's your spiritual birthday. And be sure to tell somebody. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.